Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Counter Charge. I'm Jats. And I'm Matt Croger. Big welcome to Jats who uh, sent this idea about a discussion on all the progressions in the hobby and, and thinking in the context of giving and what, what to give the hobbyist who you know, either doesn't have everything or does. <laughs> There's been so much progression in, in what you can get for the hobby these days. We thought we'd, we'd come on and have a bit of a you know, Christmas gift-giving chat. Jats, I don't, I don't think we've had you formally on before. I think we've had a grab of you no. from a Clash of Kings maybe or something. Um, so why don't you tell us a little about it, a little bit about yourself and your gaming background and um, then into Kings of War specifically. Sure. So we're coming to you from Canberra today, which is Ngunnawal land. I'm living there at the moment, having grown up in Perth, um, and my wargaming story is pretty pretty straightforward. I was born into the hobby with a father that played various World War II games, Battletech, uh, things like that, which I continually as a young person tried to grab off the table, much to his annoyance, I'm sure. And then we started playing with the uh, plastic toy soldiers and maybe throwing some dice around just for fun. The first war game that I remember actually playing and understanding the rules for was probably when I was in my teenage years was uh, Epic, uh, an Eldar army, and I loved that. Just playing the games got me right into the hobby. I didn't paint anything at that stage. Uh, Dad took care of most of that. At some point, we tossed away Epic in our little group, um, and we started playing Warhammer Fantasy. I worked out as around the fourth edition or so, and I played that pretty consistently all the way through to eighth edition. Uh, things like Dark Elves, um, Chaos, Lizardmen, and then finally Ogres, which were, funnily enough, my little brother's army. Um, I played at a miniatures club at school. Uh, Played at CanCon every year, which is our big um, con in Canberra or Australia, really, Southern Hemisphere. It ended up running a CanCon for Warhammer Fantasy with a friend of mine. Played campaigns. Uh, but then, as life does, it gets a little bit busy between family, work, etc. Uh, and I just couldn't really keep up with uh, the, the changes in the hobby um, as much as I'd like to. Took a bit of a backseat wargaming in general and uh, then started gradually getting back into things at a local friendly game store with some board gaming, with some friends a bit of Star Trek Attack Wing, and I completely blanked that I actually played uh, the, what's the mech game? The a War Machine, that's the one. Um, so I played that a little bit, and then, yeah, someone said, you should have a crack at this Kings of War if you liked uh, Warhammer Fantasy, and here we are. Did that for a little while, started with my own Ogre Army, which was good, because um, I could just use the figures I already had. I didn't have to change too much. Um, just even my terminology didn't really change too much uh, about wounds and leadership and all those sort of familiar things. And then went all in and started doing a Pokemon army for the Abyss, uh, much to the sheer grin of some people on Fanatics. Um, and then got into the Mantic figures and became a Mantic boy and bought the same army as an Abyss army. Fell into a Dwarf army from Patch, who most people have seen his beautiful paintwork. And now... Again, unexpectedly tripped and fell, bought some speed paints and decided I'd try and paint a Trident Realms army. So that's pretty much me in a nutshell, doing some resin printing here and there. But I've always 
always enjoyed the playing more than the actual painting, getting it on the table. So yeah, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm pretty the same actually. You know, I, it's like yeah, I, I like improving at the painting, but it's 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 still about getting it to the table so I can use it painted on the tabletop. But yeah, your Trident Realms has come together well. You've been dabbling with the full resin bases of doing a bit of underwater effect. Do you find that yeah. very time consuming and hard? Uh, it was a bit of a process. It's yeah, it's probably more hobbying than I've ever done, but again, that's why I sort of love Kings of War is it's branched out between just sort of painting. It's about what you can do with your army and filling out the base and gives you a chance to, to try something new. And, and since I'd saved some time on the painting side of things with the speed paints, it was, uh, yeah, let's do something different. Had a lot of fun with it, and your logo certainly inspired um, me keeping on top of things which would normally fall off the wagon. Yeah, and I think... Uh... One of my favourite games of with Kings was actually against you in a tournament at our ambush tournament <laughs> earlier earlier this year that came, literally came down to the last dice roll where was it a regiment of your Earth Elementals had managed to track what was it of mine something from my base alien army right into the furthest corner yeah I think it even went to seven didn't it and that they had to pop it to win yeah. Uh- I might be misrecalling it, but I think you needed a, an average dice roll too, like a seven or something like that, and mm. just didn't happen, yep. um, no. which was good for me. But uh, tears yeah, for yeah. you, but it's all fun, no, isn't no. it? Yeah, it was a it was a great game for sure. <laughs> <laughs> how given given that painting's not a big thing for you, how how have you found? You know, do you appreciate that difference though between Kings and Warhammer of like say the multi basing and and things like that? And and I guess I guess if if you do appreciate it, well, well, why is that? I appreciate that I don't have to paint as many figures to get a regiment on the board. <laughs> um, and I enjoy that we can actually um, uh, enjoy not having to take off so many figures when I'm losing, which is good. You just take them all off at once. But from a painting standpoint, um, it certainly makes things a lot easier. And you can just play a little bit more. You don't have to sort of worry about them fitting on the bases properly either. Yeah, well, it certainly has made it a lot easier. And I basically rebased all of Patch's army. Uh, just to keep it all consistent because there was zero chance I was going to be able to paint to his level. Uh, so mm. we tried to stretch what we had and uh, try and hide some some painted stuff that, that uh, myself and other people had done to, to mix in between it so it didn't look too bad. Yeah, excellent. Well, uh, before we get into our main topic, we'll do our hobby update. So for me, I'd, 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 before I had to do some last-minute Masters stuff, I'd, been, I'd printed out a... Uh, Sylvan Kinami from Titan Forge just literally printed 2300 points and thought <laughs> I'll just get that on bases and, and get it done so I'm almost finished that actually it didn't take me too long bit of yeah. contrast paint action and some and some dry brushing um, or highlighting more in the style of patch I guess you know that just there's bigger bigger highlights on the important bits so that's almost yeah. done and then I'm looking forward to that because well I was thinking I was going to get more into halflings but then last night i was putting together a clan lord on fire drake with my four-year-old she was helping me clip and i thought it was going to be a disaster but we got through, we got through it and so i might paint that next i'll paint that or some aeronauts for the for the halflings and i've also been working on uh, something that will come up as a bit of a nautical undead and uh the only games i've been getting outside of tournaments recently are um, some play by email games which Played a couple against Dave Fanning as usual, and but also Paul Collins. So, been enjoying that. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to. I just need to get these Sylvankin finished in a in a way so I can start working on other things because I'm quite <laughs> motivated to do other things, but I don't want to leave a, you know, a pile a 2300 pile of 90% complete army there. 
Oh, I feel that's the, the trap of this resin printing, isn't it? Oh, exactly. Oh, mate, there's about two terabytes of files sitting. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself? What have you been up to with the hobby? Uh, well, I feel you about the files. I've, I went on a craze of just downloading a bunch of stuff, um, just the, the vault mostly, working out what I had, and then I sat down and actually organized it and realized I have a lot of stuff without really doing too much. So despite saying I'd never have to buy another model again with the resin printing, I picked up uh, a few more depth horror models, which I'm using the uh, Mantic Butchers for, to finish off a fourth horde of those for my Trident Realms army working towards King, uh, Clash of Kings. And I'm just toying around with whether or not I need to paint another Envoy uh, for the Trident Realms army um, to spread out some inspiring love because I'm playtesting quite a bit at the moment, which has been great uh, with the 2300 points. And I'm just tweaking it uh, depending on with these new changes, which hasn't actually overly changed my army on the whole. I'm finishing off a 3D printed Shipwreck Giant, uh, which was really cool. A uh, cool model that I found and printed and it worked. And this will be the first one I'm I suppose you could say I've started from the start and we'll get to the end. I want to do some form of cool little mini speaker base for that to go into um, that plays sea shanties as it comes across the board at you. So, um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, so I don't know exactly how that'll work with the resin bases, but yeah, we'll have to incorporate some form of plug-in device to make that happen. Uh, You're going to record the shanties yourself, mate? Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm going to bust out uh, my choir days voice uh, (laughs) unfortunately when my voice broke my quiet days were over um, so no one needs to hear that I've undercoded a blind box from Battletech for the little fella who's played a little bit of Battletech at Zone 3 the laser sport game place and um, I found a cool new metallic spray that you sort of you know the ones you do for car details where they change this colour depending on how you look at it Oh, yeah. Um, so that was pretty cool. I found that down at a cool little hobby shop down in Melbourne while I was there. Um, and then, yeah, just I think I've got three games in the last week, physical games, um, which has been awesome. Um, and trounced Dad for the first time in a little while. So that, that was great too. Probably something I should mention. It's always good to have a family member that's willing to play you um, and even better when you beat them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good. <laughs> and a good, yeah, exactly. I mean, we particularly bond. We bond. Your, particularly when it's your father. <laughs> yeah, it's good bonding moments. Yeah, I don't think he so, wants to um, play anymore. Your son's more into the sci-fi side. But... He's into anything I can buy him. Um, pretty yeah. much, at this, he's at that age. So, yeah, he'll no doubt we've we've made up some rules just to roll some dice and things like that. But um, I think he'll probably give a crack at Kings of War at some point. We've done some sort of pushing him around the table, doing some basic stuff. But yeah, it's just a bit of fun at the moment. Then he'll beat me. Well, hopefully, never right. <laughs> oh, no, it'll happen. It'll happen. <laughs> right. Well, we might just take a brief break there and we'll be back with our main topic. My name is Stephen Devonish. I'm the 2023 Australian Master and you're listening to Countercharge. And we're back. So, uh, Jats, do you want to give us an idea behind this? Uh, you know, you, you listened to my magical new ad in the uh, in the last episode I did with Stephen, and you so you said, oh, how about this for a topic? Do you want to give us a bit of a background behind um, what were you thinking with this? As in, what you yes, what you were thinking, yeah. not in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you don't want to know what I'm thinking with your sultry voice, Matt. But um, <laughs> after I calmed down and had a cold shower, I decided maybe I should just submit an idea, only because I thought about this when uh, shopping for dad of all people. Um, but I've often been buying things for my little gaming group here and there, although everyone will probably get 
printed stuff for the rest of their life um, after this year. You just you I walk into people's games rooms or their game sheds or their little nook to the corner of their house, and you just don't know what to buy people. They I'm, I'm in a privileged position, like some hobbyists, that if anything you sort of need for your army, you can just go and buy. Um, so what? don't I buy for myself that would be really nice to receive or what would be a nice thought for people um, and just the way that games have evolved having played since I've been about 12 or 13 really the way the hobby's just evolved over the years it just opens up the market for anything and everything really so I sent you a bunch of sort of ideas but uh, yeah yeah well and like I mean, we can discuss some of that evolution, I guess, over the years. I mean, I've been, well, I mean, realistically, actually, I've probably been more into gaming in my adult life than in my teenage years. But, well, I've also spent more time now in my adult life than my teenage years. (laughs) But we have seen a fair bit of that evolution, haven't we? I mean, you know, you can pull out those old white dwarves, right? And it was just the fluoro green base flock, Mm -hmm. you know, and that was it. Uh, which you know, nothing wrong with that. That's that's oh, still acceptable behaviour. But definitely, um, yeah. But we've seen this evolution in this growth of embracing the hobby a bit more, haven't we? That making it, you know, not just about the model. And it's something that I always find, you know, when I'm doing my own painting, how much actually finishing the base changes the whole model. Oh, um, big time. It, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't think so, but like I think often now, if I went from like a flat color base. To just having that bit of detail with a bit of extra dry brushing of colour and whatever, it just makes the model pop so much more. Oh, it's just so accessible these days too. Like I, I think you, your materials you can get it everywhere. There's whole lines of product which um, just add to the hobby. But I think you're spot on. I think if you have a base that looks all uniform, it's a great start. Um, and certainly for me, it's like get it painted and get it on the table. Um, I don't mind how who I'm playing against. Um, doesn't bother me too much. But, um, yeah, when people just, you know, hobby up a little bit and they just do a little bit more, just brings it all together cohesively and, yeah, it just makes it look so much better. But uh, as we're finding, rocking up to more and more tournaments, Matt, uh, just having beautifully painted models on a beautifully painted base uh, isn't quite enough these days to win any sort of painting competitions. You've got to be an, an artiste to... Uh, and a construction expert in some respects <laughs> with these display boards and engineer if you want your lights and sound and your smoke machines, looking at you, Taz. Yeah, no, it's it's impressive what people can do these days. Yeah, for, for sure. And, and how things have developed to make that easier, right? So for now, I start most of my bases with some, um, you know, you buy the big pots of the Vallejo textured earth. And so mm-hmm. I just get that on there. Um, and then it's whether or not I add stuff to it, which I usually do. But, you know, you can buy bags of cork that are already torn up for you that you yep. can use as rocks. And, you know, there's just so much. Geek Gaming Scenics I love. Um, yeah. Yeah. So they've done, taken a lot of effort out of it. But but like you say, it's it's that evolution, but then how the market's come along with the evolution to kind of go, let's keep making this look good, guys, but how can we make it easier? <laughs> I noticed in the show notes you you put a little comment about you never realised that you were in a craft hobby. And, and yes. so I think a lot of us get into it as an, oh, we're playing this because we like playing with soldiers. Right? Yeah. But now it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's now so much about how can I make this more pretty? 
yeah, all of a sudden I'm enjoying going to the craft stores as much as my scrapbooking family. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, guys. Let's go to Lincraft or Spot. Yeah, yeah, let's that do it. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> what $2 store? Let's do it. Yeah. I, I just wonder, I was thinking about this literally today. Um, I saw some bloodworms that someone had posted on Fanatics today um, and I thought, how far away are we from models that move on a base that just – I don't think we're that far away. We could be closer than we think. Articulated no. models and, yeah, it's going to be cool. Well, you're right and it probably depends on, you know, how small a thing can you either get in the model mm. or in the base if the model was integrated to the base to just do something like power it, right? Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, yeah. But you're, you're probably right, you know. We're probably – not that far off because sometimes I wonder with with tabletop how long do we have left? Do you know what I mean? Um, with with the evolution yeah. in like VR and other sides of gaming, like we don't seem there does seem to be a lack of younger people in the various games. I don't know if that applies to GW as well, but yeah, then you, but then you kind of got ideas like that where it could actually just continue to evolve. Uh, I think there is something to be said, though, for the social aspect. I mean, it's great with technology. We can talk and we can speak over the internet and see each other and things like that. But, um, yeah, face-to-face gaming. Like, during COVID, it was great to have UB and things like that. Um, but nothing beats just sitting there having a chat and playing. And, yeah, I think... I, it's very hard to replicate, and you think about all the board games that are still popular, even though we've got you know worlds worlds online these days. Um, yeah, I don't think it'll I don't think it'll go away. Well, I hope not. Anyway. Yeah, hopefully I'm dead first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and people in our hobby seem to be very um, sharing too. Like you just jump on YouTube, and there's so much content out there as well on how to do these things. It's it's fantastic. Oh, that's right, and and even like sharing within i think you i think you're right it's it's for a lot of people particularly with kings right you hear about how it's that social aspect how you know there's very few of of the more difficult personalities that we used to see in some of the games and you know it's it's so common for you know if you need a model for someone to go oh yeah just have it or you know have it for dirt cheap or yeah i I think i think it's actually it's it's a great collaborative hobby to be part of yeah, uh, for, for sure. If we're thinking about broadly about some of these gift giving and things, I, I, I guess we kind of got you know some some broad areas that people are look at, couldn't we? We've we've got things like accessories, uh, the uh, sheets of painted boards, neoprene gaming mats, like all the ways you can make your table look good as well as your as well as your models. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, accessories like paints. oh paints, paint handles, you know every pallets all those sorts of things dice widgets and then with the 3d printing it's just your world's your oyster really at the moment isn't it it really is um i mean the thing that still blows my mind is how mantic don't have accessible vouchers (laughs) yeah i asked a question about that recently because i had to set up the one for the slow grow um which we're in the process of and i'm just like i just wonder how much money does mantic miss out on every year not just at christmas but every year just by not having accessible vouchers you know yeah and they, they could even extend that to things like the vault now you know here's three months membership to the yes, vault or definitely. Six months membership to the vault you know and and maybe particularly when the vault's quite cheap yeah like, it's not overly expensive you, you, is it no like you could consider like 
giving it to, like a couple of mates that you might not necessarily ever give something big to. You'd have the option of going, here's a month or two, try it out, mate. You know, see see how you like it, and it it could actually open up more revenue for them. It's yeah, it's a thing. Like I know they're they're small and they've got a lot on their plate, but it's it surprises me after all these years that that vouchers aren't a, aren't a thing. Yeah, well, I was um. I received some electronic vouchers from them when I ran a tournament a few months ago, which was really good. They had no questions really asked. They just said, have you got a tournament running? Yep, here's five $25 vouchers, which was just a code people put in on the, on the um, Mantic site, the shop. Mm. Um, so the technology's there. Um, I mean, just advertising, it's probably going to help. And then it locks people in and, you know... Uh, the old saying in our house is if you got a $25 gift voucher, you double it, that makes it 50 Or if, you know, mm. they're just going to get yeah, residual exactly purchases right. from it as well. Yes, 100%. And, um, you know, I, I, I can't think of anything else I buy from that doesn't have that option. You know? Correct, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I so, couldn't really hey, figure it out on my mini factory, though, the other day when I was trying to work out how to tell someone oh, to buy me true. a voucher. That's so, true. Um, you know, and, and the difficulty there might be, though, that they're essentially a third-party flat platform, right? Mm. And so maybe it's because they're more of a, you know, eBay-style thing yep. that they, they don't know how to – they haven't set up how to transfer the money to whoever's appropriate at the time or they don't want to handle the money. Yeah. But I think, but I think when, you're, um, when you're an actual storefront – you know, it's 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 a bit more unusual. I would always like to see more Mantic in Australia, that's for sure, because uh, I, I do find it a little bit cost prohibitive. But if it's going to cover at least the shipping for you, then that's a good start, I think. Then it makes it enticing to, to start buying from them. Exactly. One benefit we do have is choose whether to buy in pounds or American dollars, depending yes. on which better on the day. <laughs> yes, I heard someone yeah. say something about Steam just closed a loophole around that the other day. Oh, did um, they? For computer games, yeah, if someone they were buying it using a virtual IP from a different country, so it was cheaper for them oh, to play right. Steam games. I was like, oh, yeah. that's clever. Way beyond yeah, my yeah. technological knowledge. Oh, 100%, 100%. <laughs> um, so maybe we'll, we'll talk about some of those ideas, I think, in a, in a bit more detail. I think it's probably yeah. a good idea. But I guess if you're looking at, if you're in, in your mind, Jats, like if you're looking to buy a game or a gift or that, or like what, what are some of the things we should be considering? Uh, probably just some general guidelines is uh, know what they play. Don't go and buy them a box of, of skeletons if they're playing a, an Empire Army. Um, mm. They'll probably smile and be polite about it and either sell them at the next bring and buy or give them to someone or, or trade them back in, mm. know what they already have, what the products and brands that they do use and what they, they don't like is probably important. There's not a lot when it comes to uh, – sorry, there's quite a lot out there about what's on trend and what's new. I find gift giving – I've never been a massive fan of gift vouchers, but now that you can sort of tailor your gift voucher to understanding what they like, it sort of demonstrates that you, you know them quite well and what they like. This is going to sound a little bit cheeky, but keep the receipts so that – when they say, oh, I've already got this, or they quietly quietly say, oh, I don't really do this game, um, they, they can replace it and buy what they want. But uh, I know I, I cop a lot of grief at home around the place, and I'm sure lots of hobbyists do, where, again, I'm so fortunate I can – I generally just buy what I need because I need it that day or that next week or the next couple of weeks. Um, so I'm pretty much banned from buying anything in the last month before Christmas just to make it easier for everyone else. and I c- I personally get a little bit cheeky and say, here's a list of things that I'm currently not buying. If you're interested in getting any of these, that'll work. Might be a bit forward for some people for Christmas, though. A bit too transactional. But, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I think, I think that's, yeah, no, no, knowing for sure is good, you know, don't, yeah, don't, <laughs> don't buy, uh, don't buy AOS if they're into 40K, you know, yeah. it's like, um, but, and, you know, I'm a terrible one, I'm a people hate, because I can never tell anyone someone I want, because I am such an impulse buyer myself, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want, I buy, um, so, and, but I think also just even things like this that you've come up with, with stimulating, because I, I would look at it and go, oh, yeah, I'd give that a go, but I wouldn't yeah. like necessarily buy it myself. Um, yeah. You know, I, th- I think things like that. And yeah, I, I heard a thing my, my business partner said to me the other day, we were talking about gifting for the kids. And because more often than not, I'm actually not a big fan of gift giving for that same reason yep. of like I've often got what I want, you know, I'm yep. kind of like, and, and particularly like you say, if it comes down to vouchers or um, we, we had the various in the larger family, you know, just you pick out a name and you buy them a present or yep. you, you, you end up going to them and going, what do you want? Like, it's yep. like. It's um, transactional so like, at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> why, yeah why, why are we bothering? Just like, I'll buy it myself. Yeah. But my business partner was telling me he's got a 15 or 16-year-old girl and apparently the thing now is to do PowerPoint presentations on what they want. Oh, <laughs> uh, so that's so she no joke. In front and, and like does it, but she'll be like, and so normally it's worth this much, but currently on sale, it's here. <laughs> yep. Well, it's funny you should say that. I um, I, was, I had Facebook Messenger with uh, the little fella and all of a sudden the little group chat started and it said mum and dad. And I'm like, this is what? And we should keep in mind for the, the listeners that he's nine. Uh, and then I started receiving pick collages, uh, number one, number two, number three, and number five. I'm not sure what happened with four, but these random pick collages popped up <laughs> of things that he wanted for Christmas. So, yeah, and it would have been easier to send me stuff he didn't want, I think. would have been easier. Mm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, oh. no, I'm, 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 I'm lucky enough that, you know, being in the four and under stage still that, like, it basically consists of, you know, princess or superhero outfits what they want and you can pull those up from Amazon or Temu or something. Yep. <laughs> no. and yeah, the, and the box. Yeah, exactly. I know my, my wife always gets a little cranky with this. I'm like, you know, they're four and two. We could just, like, re-gift something, you know. And she'll be like, no, we have to buy something. Uh, Without um, getting too philosophical on – um. That's a weird way of saying it um, on the podcast, but uh, I'm more big onto experiences with the young people now. So buying mm. them a zoo voucher or buying them some swimming lessons, especially in Australia, oh, yeah. it's uh, very useful. Uh, yeah, yeah. Again, stuff that you hate forking out money for yourself, but they get a lot out of. Yeah, well, you didn't say that in quite the way, the right way, mate. You're going for the young people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm older than I look, I can t- guarantee you. Yeah. <laughs> well, why don't we talk about some stuff that's specifically Mantic first that, that people could consider? I, I think one of the really great things that they've done, not only for the game, but in general recently, is something like the the ambush sets. Because we're talking, well, in Australia, I think it's, awesome. it's still about 60 or 70 bucks. But, you know, so it's still reasonably significant. I think, yeah, in the US, you're looking at about... Um, 50 US or a bit less and, you know, pounds less again. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think they're a great starting point, right? Oh, so good. And you get a lot of content out of them. I think it's a thing if you grab someone from another gaming system or fresh into the hobby and said, have a look at these, anything here tickle your fancy? Yep. Well, I would just get that. Um, you've got enough to get you started. 
put together, get it on the table and have a reasonably good time. And I think if it was 69 70 bucks for a box, well, I'm pretty sure I was paying around $50 for a regiment of Chaos back in, back in 2003 and 2002. So it's really not actually that expensive. No, well, um, at least it gets you a couple of units, right? Where, exactly. You know, 50 bucks and some other systems get you a model. And I mean, not that it doesn't at times in Mantic as well, but you know, you've you've got these other options. And I think at the moment too, they come with the little printed rule book. Do they, or is that uh, just in the army boxes? I'm, that is I'm a not good sure question. I'm whether not they sure. might have started. There was something about that, but you know, I think they're they're a great way. Uh, you know, someone that you're trying to be get to try the game, do it in, play a bit of ambush because they've got the rule set to. Yep. to support it and um yeah I, I think that's a great a great did start. someone tell me that they've put the instructions on how to build the models in the boxes too recently did someone tell me that yes they have they have oh, that's sure. that's fantastic because trying to teach people fresh into the hobby that have nef- had never had any idea i think uh, mantic was a little bit of a nightmare for that but yeah if you can show people how to play the hobby then that's going to be good yeah for sure what other options do we have from mantic uh i love the the new Clash book, uh, two reasons. Even though we've got the, the companion up there, there's just something about that nice, freshly uh, printed book uh, and you're supporting the company that supports us and keeps the game alive, but also our local friendly game stores. Um, I think you touched on it a bit earlier. The uh, a companion or a vault subscription would be, well, I'd love that. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah, because it's one of those things, isn't it? You're kind of like, oh, you know, will I spend that on myself? And it's and it's cheap enough that someone else could do it. You know, it's not like one of those ones. Are uh, I really want a new army box, but I don't yeah. want to tell someone it costs two hundred bucks. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> um, you, like telling, uh, you know, just even if it's a month, even yeah. if it's a month, you know, fifteen bucks or or whatever it is. If you don't have the companion, you yeah. know, I think is is a great little thing. Well, people do it for Netflix and Spotify and all those things, don't they? They buy each other vouchers for those, so it's not real too different to that. No, no, exactly. And then, of course, like Mantic have other games, uh, particularly things like uh, that are more board game-esque. Yeah. You know, Worms has been on Kickstarter. I saw that's closing up for the late orders if you want it. Uh, That just touches the nostalgia for me, definitely. Um, Mm. Do they bring out some superhero games, dice games recently too? Uh, they've always got something going on. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've struggled to keep track actually of, mm. of their games. They did Umbrella Academy, I think. Yep. Yeah. Um, Walking Dead as well. So I, I, mm. I didn't really get onto that. but uh, No, but I, I understand that was quite popular. Yeah. The IPs they're getting seem to be quite good. Um, Hellboy was another one, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. I'm really hanging out. I, I got Dungeon Saga. I, I oh, think yeah. these the, these types, well, the um, whatever their last Kickstarter for that was, because I I think some of these options they have, like you can be buying for the family, and it can be a little bit of a gateway, right? Yes. You know, how there's a how there's a little bit of um, how there's a little bit of uh, model making in it, but you know, a good way to get them in, which is exactly why I jumped on the Kickstarter for uh, Dungeon Saga. Uh, Dungeon Saga. What am I talking? Rob, yeah, no, and we're, we're, we're joined by the big man, Rob. Sorry, I must have messed up because I, I thought it was tomorrow for some reason, but that's fine. Ah, it worked, yeah, it worked out good. well. 
No, no. Oh, that was it's probably my bad, mate. But Rob's joined us, and we're just talking, Rob, about Mantic-specific gift ideas. And so we were talking about we said ambush box sets, and we were just delving into their other options. I mean, yeah, Armada's I mean, all there, isn't it? It's mm. ready to go. Yeah, ambush well, box that's... sets are great because in every case they give you something you can use. You're never going to have too many goblins, for example, or too many Twilight King Corsairs. So you know, mm. it's. Even if the person has that army, buying them an ambush box, it's never going to be a bad thing because just more regiments, you know? Yep. Yeah, for sure. And Do then, you know what uh, I've liked as well at the moment? That? I love that they brought out a little advent calendar because getting a little sneaky something every day that you don't know what's coming, uh, it speaks to my heart. Same as their mystery boxes when they're up and about. It's, um, yeah, it's exciting every day then, isn't it? Yeah. Have you been able to resist opening all on one day, though? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's cool. It's called willpower, Matt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have any, so. Yeah. Yeah. But if one happens five. to slip open. <laughs> and if I'm going away for a few days, I better open a few. Well, I must have totally missed that. I actually didn't realize they had an advent calendar. I saw the, um, I saw that they did mystery boxes again, which mm-hmm. is one of those things that I always get so close to doing, but I've never quite done. Um, but I know you've been a big fan of the mission. Oh, I love them. Yeah. The crazy boxes never, are awesome. You never know what you're going to get. Exactly. They're always good value. Yeah, oh, definitely. And I use them for prize support for the last tournament we ran because it's like, well, pick what you want. There's a bit of everything. And again, another way of uh, getting people into our hobby is here, have a free unit and paint it up. I mean, it's, yeah. What do you want? Do you want chaos? Do you want this? Do you want that? It's all there. Exciting mm-hmm. times. Did you see there? They're looking at doing, or they're putting together the Kickstarter for their epic, is it Warpath? Warpath, yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. Oh, and now that Alucio Cavatore is back in the fold, helping with the game design, I think I'm very, very excited because obviously I'm a big fan of Alicia's work. In casual conversations with a few people I've had the last week, I've been talking about it, um, and you sort of talk about, oh, you know, they're bringing out this epic, and you mention the name, and they go, oh, and they immediately know who you're talking about. So they're doing really well in getting the right people to write these games, I think give you the foundations yeah for all the knack that we give gw i mean they put out some great game designers mm. over the years elicio being one of them mm. yeah for sure why don't bite into more painting specific stuff i know jats this isn't your forte but no not at Rob's all joined us just in time because we've got the man <laughs> the man who yeah I, I, uh, <laughs> yeah you guys put together some great notes and you got me salivating because uh <laughs> i'm like this is right in my wheelhouse yeah mm. yeah so what do you like or what would your thoughts be around why don't we start with paints themselves rob like what what are some of our options we could be looking at well i mean it really depends on what kind of painter you have if you have someone that's you know a basic painter or someone that's just getting into it you know army painter is fantastic right they make Solid paints that go down with decent coverage. Yeah, you're probably not going to win a Golden Demon, but that's not their that's not what their their job is to do, right? Their job is to get an army painted fast to the table. And so they have your basic war paints, but then you know if you're using an airbrush, it's it's my painted choice for airbrushing because they have lots and lots of colors. They're fairly inexpensive. They're accessible, but they also have you know uh, speed paints, which are like the GW contrast paints or take your pick every paint company has their own you know insta color whatever you want to call it but this uh one coat paint mm-hmm. and um so if the person you're buying for is, is someone that's just like just likes the hobby 
but but doesn't maybe take it as a passion. It's not there. They just want to get stuff for the table. Mm. Army painters. This guy. Yeah. Yeah. If you're trying to go to the next level and you're, you're trying to get somebody some paint that, you know, they really are trying to improve their painting. You know, the, the two ranges that, I, that I'm. Uh, well, one of the ranges that works really well, obviously, is what I use is Reaper. So the Reaper Master System, um, what, what I like about their system is everything's in triads. So if you're going to do a teal color, you, you buy a triad. It comes with your shadow, your base, and your highlight. And it, it kind of does the work for you. It's all color matched. Um, I love Reaper. It's obviously, I'm in the United States, so that's great for me. Because a lot of the paint ranges are actually from like Spain and from Europe. And it's nice to have a range that's available uh, that's made here in the United States. Uh, and then mm. the one that's the new kid on the block that everybody's talking about is Monument Hobbies Proactil Proacryl. Um, you know, I saw them at Adepticon. Their paints look great. They come in these larger pots. Um, so if you got like a bougie like person that's really like called to the new, this is mm. the paint for them, dude. They have a full range of paints. They've got this crazy backpack that holds them all in, like a portable paint station. They've got transparent colors. Um, so, so I don't know, w- w- Matt. What are you using for paints typically? Well, I, I think that's a like what you mentioned about things like the being able to buy in triads. I think is a great idea because, mm. like, you you could say to someone, "Ah, oh, you know, I need this color," and they can buy you the the triad, and it's not going to get too expensive either. I think some of those companies that do those little packs are cool. I personally love um, Vallejo paints again because they tend to have a big range. And I like having lots of paints, even if I don't use them. I just like the idea of having the yeah. choice. But also on that pack idea, scale 75, particularly for things like um, the metallics, like they send sell their bronze range in a pack or their gold. So kind of comes back to Jats, you talking about, you know, knowing what the person needs or wants or what they're painting. Yeah. But as you were talking, Rob, as well, with things like Army Painter, even their sprays. So if someone's kind of going, oh, I've got this theme for an army and the base is going to be excellent. X, Love it. X, Our army you know? painter is, is color matched to both their air paint and war paint range. Yeah. You can buy a spray can. Um, I, I am a big fan of army painters. And, and look, they're not crazy expensive. They're, I don't know, $15 a can here in the United States. It's yeah. not. Yes, it's way more than you if you go to Walmart and buy one of the cheap acrylic paint, you know, spray paints. But it's not GW level or any other mm-hmm. the more boutique style paints. So uh, and, and army painter makes a lot of stuff that people you know, I, I have just started playing with, they have a water-based spray paint that's oh. designed for like dealing with foam and terrain. It's like $12 a can. It's a little bit smaller and it works fine. You know, it, it's, it, it's, it is what it says on the tin, right? It's a water, it, you know, it has a water-based propellant and it, it does not eat the foam. So they have a lot of, you know, Ar- army painter is probably my go-to for someone if I don't really know them very well, but I know that they're interested in painting. In painting, I mean, because you can buy like the uh, the Mega Army air paint set is a ridiculous mm. value. It's like I don't know, a few bucks a bottle, and you get like fifty paints, sixty paints. And realistically, my rule is if I can't if I can't don't have the color in that range, I I, I don't need it, right? Like if I can't find a color in these sixty, I, but they do make a lot more colors. But I don't, I try to stay within that that 60 mm. that came with I, I hate buying bottles by themselves so i pretty much always have to buy it in some form of kit because of the value that you get out of it um again even if that paint goes away for a little while it doesn't really go off too much as long as it's not opened yeah which you actually get that value in some of these other companies unlike say buying gw contrast paints you know they'll put a pack together and it's exactly all you get for it is the box 
Yeah. Every company has a has a kit, right? Like so, yeah. Monument Hobbies has a starter kit. Reaper has like these plastic cases that come with you know between fifteen and thirty paints, and there's different ones. There's like starter sets. There's specific, you know, these are like the dungeon sets. So it's got colors that you know that go with if you're painting a dungeon. And so that's another thing that's always cool about you know you have a lot of options in terms of what you want to spend too, right? So Reaper also makes like a small pack of like six paints that are in a set. High seas paint, right? That's what they call mm. it for pirates and stuff. Or you can buy the more mega set. So I, I agree with Jess. So I think you know you're not going to put a, one bottle in a stocking. Come on, that's, that's <laughs> no. Come on, come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> I like to. Kings of War did a collab with Army Painter for a little while, didn't they? Where they were bringing out the army, uh, the painting sets with the armies um, in mind for those sets. So that was I, I remember that when I was first starting. Uh, but a lot of companies are matching, you know, you want to do an undead army, here's the undead colors, um, which is great. Again, here's yeah, your box set I, and here's your army paints and off you go. And I reckon that would have been more successful. I just don't think they probably marketed it heavily enough, to be honest. It seems to be a consistent um, theme, doesn't it, unfortunately? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, like, you could have packaged it with the army boxes, right? Oh, here's your mega army. If you want this, get this as well, you know? Um, yeah. Oh, there's an opportunity there for sure. I haven't dabbled in the airbrushes yet. It's something that I've avoided, but I think at some point, once I run out of other things to buy, it's going to be it's going to be the go. I'm resisting buying a dry brushing palette at the moment. The, okay, I'll be honest. I'm sure they work fine, but I have not bought one either. Like that, that's you know that's like wow. one of those things when I have wow. nothing left to waste my money on yet. <laughs> but I will. I can cut up some sprues. I've seen that happen. Glue it down on some on a, on a card base, and you should be having the same thing, right? I, I haven't even looked at a. I don't even know what one is to be honest. But um, it's they make them. Yeah. They're like a textured mat of some sort. Yeah, it's right. Mildly so absorbent, yeah, and you just it. wipe wipe the paint off onto it. You yeah. know, the reality yeah. is, I use paper towel and it works just yeah. fine. Yeah. Right? So you know, uh, I mean, you buy a paper towel in a cool little hobby kit. So yeah, and you mentioned airbrushes. I mean, airbrushes. I, I resisted airbrushing for a long time, and basically, I was at Adepticon last year, and my buddy Hobie was like. I'm tired of hearing you talk about it. We're go. You're gonna go buy airbrush right now, and I did. I bought like the Iwata uh, Neo CN kit. It's like it was a hundred, maybe 150 bucks. It came with like this really crappy. Well, it's not crappy. It's a good introductory level compressor that has no options other than high, medium, or low, right? <laughs> it, and it's yeah, low right. psi. But you know what? I learned how to use an airbrush with it. Uh, you know, and this this airbrush, you couldn't you couldn't kill this brush if you. I've tried. I've tried to destroy this airbrush <laughs> and uh, all the parts are like available locally here in the U S like Hobby Lobby or Michaels. So uh, it's a great airbrush. It's a great starter airbrush. And I highly recommend anybody, you know, if they're thinking about, you know, if you, obviously the, the, the common thing you, at the very least you can use an airbrush to base coat and do like some yeah. highlights and stuff like that for sure. Terrain. And this is a 0. 0.5 needle or 0. 0.35 needle, I think. So it's got enough detail. If you want to try to do detail stuff, but it's also big enough that you can get a good spray. It's great. Now I've just upgraded to a better airbrush, the Eclipse, which is like the next model up in Iwata. But you know, honestly, the Iwata Neo is a great airbrush. And uh, for people that are thinking about it, go with the kit. Comes with the compressor. Yeah. Comes with the the you know. Comes with everything you need. Comes with paint. So it's like I call it the Christmas Day test, right? Like literally, open this thing up and you have everything you need to airbrush in the box. No batteries like, required. Yeah, instead of like where you have yeah, to, like, oh, yeah, I need yeah. to go buy this accessory or, you know, 
buy the kit and just be done with it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd really like to use this on Christmas Day, but I don't have yeah. a compressor. Just yeah. get one of the other family members on the other end blowing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, I, I will say though, airbrushes are great, and, and I highly recommend people get. You know, if if you know if you have the space, and you know you, because it, it is it is. You know, it takes extra table it's space. It's consuming, it? isn't it? You know? And it's, yeah, and I, I do it out in the garage just because it does make a little bit of a mess. But, mm. you know, it's fantastic. It literally has sped up my process tenfold because, you know, oh, I would be base coating by hand. Now I'm just like zip, 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 done. And and, that, and then I can get into brush work. Like all the, the really mundane, repetitive stuff, do it with an airbrush and be done with it quick. Unlike a spray can, you can use this pretty much any temperature, any humidity mm. level, right? You can do it. Whereas a spray can here in Tennessee, even in Tennessee, it gets to freezing to here. So I know Australia probably not, but here in the United States, we have lots of places that get really cold. Oh, we get, oh, yeah. really more, we get cold here. Yeah. We get cold, but it's more often the problem of being too hot, you know? Or too humid. Yeah. And well, speaking of brushes, I mean, there's plenty of brush options too, right? From from what it, what's a bit more cheap and accessible to right through to you know, you, you Windsor and Newtons, which yeah, I find don't last as well anymore, to be honest. I'm, yeah, I'm not so convinced that I'm going to keep paying for Windsor and Newtons. I, 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 am, I was the biggest Windsor and Newton nut in, in the world. And, and I, to be fair, the brushes that I got four or five years ago, like I still have them and they still work, right? Like, yeah. but there, there has been a quality problem, you know, systemic quality issues where the brushes just aren't working as well. So I, um, so let's divide this up. There, there's two types of brushes. There's, you know, there's the bashers, the brushes, the, the, the folks that are not going to take care of their paintbrush. Yep. The you don't buy the them. Yeah, the budget brush, right? And and for those, just the army painter stuff is fine. Yeah. Or anything you can buy at a craft shop. You know, uh, basically, you know, I, I'm a person, I do prefer natural hair versus like the synthetic stuff like like Taclon, you know, the, the golden, those are the common. I shouldn't have worn my toupee. I was going to say, yeah. Matt doesn't remember what natural hair is. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if, if you're just if you're just slapping paint on a model, honestly, uh, basically any brush w- will work, right? And especially if you're not going to take care of them, don't dump a lot of money into it. But if you are going to take care of brushes, then obviously a Kalinsky Sable is kind of the top end of paint brushes for mini- for our miniature work, and. You know, for a long time, the Windsor Newton Series Seven was this was the stu- was the standard, right? It was the gold standard. But the the shines come off a little bit, and I have moved on to um, Raphael eighty four oh fours. I'll give you an example. Like, I think like a Kalinsky, uh, you know, if the, the Series Seven might be like thirty bucks, twenty five bucks for like a number two, and like a number two from Raphael's maybe eighteen dollars. So there's a significant cost savings there. Number two. Their quality seems to be a little better. And number three, and most importantly, you can actually get them. I don't know if you guys have tried to buy a Series 7, but good luck. Um, Here in the United States, we have something's happened where importing those brushes here and the natural hairs, I don't know. So with with the Raphael, I've been buying them out of the UK. You know, free shipping, and it still gets here like in a week. And but there's some nice kits out as well, isn't there? Like just in the box sets. And Army Painter has a great set of brushes. Uh, that yeah. you know they have. I, I like actually, Army Painter again kind of has a unique. Uh, they really are geared towards the hobbyist, right? In the sense that yeah. you know they have triangular brushes like handles. Mm. So when you put it down, it's a simple thing, but it doesn't roll. <laughs> yeah. Right. So uh, you know, I'm a big fan, and they do have lots of brush kits. They have a terrain kit brush like a bunch of flat wide mm. brushes 
and then they have various brush kits. Um, yeah. And here's the best thing about Army Painter is they're accessible. It doesn't really yeah. matter what hobby store you go into. You can get them. If you want a Kalinsky Sable locally, you're probably going to an actual art store. Yeah. You know, here in the United States, yeah. like a Dick Blick or some kind of artist store. Uh, and, and they're much harder to find. So, you know, that being said, if you are going to buy somebody a good set of brushes, just buy them a zero, a one, and a two. That's it. Don't buy them. In, you know, these these crazy people that like, I have a triple lot. No, I paint eyeballs with a number three <laughs> because it's all about the point. It doesn't matter how big the brush is. It's all about mm. the point, right? And if you've got a well-pointed brush, that's all that really matters. Just um, about will, the tip. Yeah. Yep. yeah. That's where those are. Uh, go ahead. That's where the magic happens. Yeah, well, it's where those conditioners have come into into vogue as well, haven't they? The, to look after your paints and your paint brushes and things like that. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and you know the one the, the go to for all decent brushes or even terrible brushes is Master's Paint Soap. It's a soap slash conditioner. Uh, it comes in a little beige hockey puck shaped container. You basically slather, you know, you lather up, get the brush wet, and you clean it out, lather it up, and you can use it as a soap, you know, rubbing it off and trying to pull the paint out. But you can also, once it's the paint's removed from the brush, you can lather it up and let it dry. And it'll actually condition the brush. And, and you know, because, you know, people don't realize like, if you use like actual detergent, like kitchen sink, the, the soap you use to clean dishes, it'll yeah. strip all the moisture out of the brush and it'll actually like make the brush unserviceable and it'll, it'll ruin the brush over time. And so, you know, and, and frequent you know another tip clean your brush a lot mm-hmm. like if i'm painting for two hours i probably clean my brush out every 15 5 to 15 minutes yeah, right i'm just and it's it's you keep it wet you clean don't ever tip. let it dry out uh and in between and another tip don't use the same brush for metallic paints as you do for regular paints because what will happen is when you metallic paints will put flake into the brush that you won't see and you'll ruin your paint job. You're like, I'm doing red, but you've used it for metallics. And now you've got this little sparkle because there's a metallic flank mm-hmm. in your red paint. Mm-hmm. So keep your water and your brushes for metallics separate. Same thing mm-hmm. with soap. Like I have brushes. I have everything separate. Um, okay. Cause metallics just destroy brush. Yeah, uh, right. Same and thing and with, j- same thing with dry. Yeah. Paint. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And Jets, are you a, are you a palette man? Uh, you mentioned the dry palette, but uh, are you a, a wet palette man? Um, I've bought a wet palette, uh, but I've honestly just been using the speed paints uh, quite a bit the last uh, basically year and a half. Um, so someone showed me that you can use a poppet, which we had lots of for a period of time there, and that seems to work very well for just keeping it contained and then just pushing it out. I'm interested to see how the version 2 speed paints go, because I actually quite like blending them with the uh, version 1 ones, because they are a little bit water bit. Uh, water mm. malleable but yeah no no wet palette use yet no dry brushing palette yet no i'm a very basic painter and that all those tips that rob just gave us is probably what sets him apart if you're just doing basic stuff like like with um uh, speed paints or contrast paints you don't need a wet palette right like, like you just need like a plastic or a ceramic palette that has some wells put the paint yep. in there and you go to town but i will say if, if you are going to start blending colors layering the paints mm. you know a wet palette will make it easier to mix the paint get it to the right consistency um and the crazy part is like years ago you either had like a really cheap option like you would buy this masterson like generic art palette that was kind of junky but it would work or you had to spend like you know a ton of money on like a red grass gaming palette. you know what i mean like you didn't have a lot of options but now there are so many options in between oh, and, and 
my the the one that I've the one and Jeremy and I have just fell in love with is it's it's from a company called Game Envy, and they have this mm. exemplar wet palette. This palette literally like has. Do you have one, Matt? Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> one has everything. So yeah. it's got it's got like a the the standard uh like well palette built in that you can mm. remove. It's got a place to storage brushes. It has freaking little copper uh, weights that sit in the corner of the palette to keep, you know, wow. one of the things that sucks about a wet palette is the paper rolls up, mm. right? It mm. comes with a little squeegee card thing that you can use to actually get the thing flat. Uh, it's it's fantastic. It's the nicest wet palette I've ever used. And and Game Envy makes a lot of other stuff, like foldable water cups. Oh, that's a good idea, too. Handles, yeah. I mean, all kinds of cr- crazy stuff. But, you know, wet palette, here's the thing. Wet palette, for the longest time, I didn't use one. Cause I was like, ah, I, if, if you don't know how to use it, it's a whole nother tool. It's like an airbrush. Oh, I, I, great. I have an airbrush. Now I have to learn it or a 3d printer. Now I have to learn it. Right. Like, so, you know, you got to read the room and, and if you're buying something for a person, you know, make sure that that's something they want to take the time and learn it. Once they learn it, they're going to love it. But, you know, figuring out how much water to put in on the, how wet to make the wet palette, all that stuff is going to change how you thin your paints and, it's just, mm. it's a learning curve. But once you get there, you know, it's amazing to have a wet palette. All your paints are on there. You shut it up and a week later you open it up. Everything's still good to go. <laughs> right. Yes. So it's really, I mean, from that standpoint, I don't know about you guys, but I remember back in the day before I was using a wet palette, I would blow through some paint, especially in the summertime. Yeah. When it's mm. super hot. Uh, and, and before they had LED bulbs, you know, we had these giant incandescent bulbs, <laughs> like just bake, <laughs> just baking the paint in the, the, the ceramic palette. But now it's like with the with, you know, air conditioning and the fact that I'm not working under incandescent lights and I'm using a wet palette, man, my paints stay workable for a really long time. So uh, if you want to go the cheap route, though, just go to like your craft store that sells art supplies and they make one, you know, Masterson Stay Wet, I think is the brand. And I use that for a long time. It works. It's just it's just a cheaper wet palette. But, you know, it's professional grade. There's a lot of people that use it. And, you know. Again, Army Painter makes one. Re- really, with a wet palette, start with one that's the right size. You know, just find one that you think will, is big enough for what you need. Because, um, you know, some of them have these obnoxious ones. They're just, like, stupid. Like, too big for your desk. It's like, okay, find something that'll fit, holds enough paints. Uh, and so, and look, they're not expensive. <laughs> like, the, the the exemplar palette is 35 bucks, fully loaded, mm-hmm. with, like, 100 yeah. sheets of paper. And top tip, if you're going to do a wet palette... Do not buy a wet palette where you're you're having to cut the parchment paper. That's just nah. for suckers, man. Yeah. I used to do that, right? Like, I'm like <laughs> getting out the roll and I'm cut. No. Now I reach into my thing and I pull out a, a new sheet. I go downstairs. Mm. I, you know, throw the old one away and just I'm up and running in like three minutes rather than. So. I feel like you would shudder if you saw my painting table because it's literally uh, just stacks the old school doing it on the wood. Um, yeah, there's <laughs> a few learned. people. Matt, you remember we had we asked for like people to show their paint stations. And we had those that serial killer that posted like <laughs> it was like an inch of paint on his pal. I yeah. think it was, was it Steve yeah. Evans. I think maybe. Yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Like, I was gonna say it wasn't Jeremy Duval. I was. <laughs> but even in your picture, there sort of illustrates our point earlier today. It's um like there's a is that a color wheel phone that you can put there so you know well, it's just color it's a, a space for your phone or your tablet. Built yeah. into the palette, mm. so it holds it. So the exemplar wet palette has like a the the lid comes off, and it has an ability to like hold it, like you know, hold a phone or a tablet in a position where you can use it as a reference as you're painting. Um, and it has a great gasket. Mm. It has a removable regular palette with wells. 
for doing, you know, speed paints or dry brushing. Cause I'm not going to, I'm not going to use a dry, I'm not going to dry brush from a wet palette, right? Like she's going to squirt it up well and just take off and add, add what I need to the brush and then remove the excess on a paper towel. I'm not, you know, I still use the wet palette. Yeah, on a dry brush. Palette. You could, I still, you could. I still use just, it, but I just, I just dry it out a bit on the well, on the paper the, towel. The older right? I get, the the less I'm actually dry brushing, and I'm using more of an overbrush technique, which is sl- a slightly, you know, it's it's the same technique. It's just the brush isn't completely dry. You know, I'm not, I'm not. It's not bone dry, and I'm not scrubbing as hard. I'm just sort of a wet brush, and I'm just sort of sliding it across just to hit the edges. You know, I, at the end of the day, if the tool works, the tool works, right? Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah, that's we what might, they um, say. Yeah, we might um push forward into hobby options, I reckon. And I mean, this is a really broad category. Jats, have you got any particular, I, I reckon, basing materials is one. You got any particular favorites? Yeah, I sort of like the AKFX stuff that they brought out. I used that to base all of my um, Abyss Army. It was, I think it was the Ashfelt one. And I literally just painted on the base. Um, it gave it a nice texture, almost like a bit like a foam texture, and then painted around the back, uh, the bottom of the base, and a few tufts, and we were good to go. Simple, effective, gave really nice look. I thought overall for uh, for myself, I was happy with it. Yeah, they they do a lot of stuff that AK effects, the crackle, the waters, the yeah, the mud effects. Yeah, it's just so much stuff out there now. And Vallejo too. Vallejo yeah. has a stack of stuff, right? Uh, my my go to is Vallejo European mud, like literally yeah. just out of the pot, painted on the base. You have a muddy base. <laughs> add, yeah, and add I, I mentioned that before. I use the earth texture. You yeah, know? and it's and it's thick enough that you can still stick other stuff in. So often, like I'll have bought like say a bag of tiny rocks or something, and you can chuck that in or cork, and then you don't even have to stick it down. It just adheres as yeah. that stuff dries and takes paint really well afterwards. So, um. And and again, you know, another big brand in that space, Army Painter. Again, yep. you know, with all their flocks and tufts, the tufts and things and like that, yeah. or Geek Gaming Scenics. You know, yeah, there's they're, they're, there's a million different companies making tufts now, right? Yeah. Uh, if yeah. you want to, if you've got a, a, a go getter of a person you're buying for, you could always just buy static yeah. grass and buy them a static grass applicator, right? You know, yeah. uh, Woodland Scenics makes one called the Static. Yeah, I've King, seen that, and it's you know they can they can be from thirty forty dollars over to well over a hundred. Just depends on what you want, but once you have one, you're, the sky's the limit because you can make any size tough in any color you want. You just have to buy the static grass, right? Well, it's amazing yeah. that you can just now go down and actually buy. You used to be able to buy your resin bases that you could paint up to make make them look nice, but now you can just paint, buy your bases ready to go, essentially yeah. all flocked up and all made. And you, if you've got a blood bowl army, or gamer grass like that. makes some. I know Jeremy oh, used a bunch of it crazy. on his uh, firefight stuff. You so, just yeah, go, it's, it's crazy. Not very yeah. cost efficient, I think, if you're doing large armies, obviously. But if you were just doing a small army, a vanguard or something like that, there you go. Off you go. So easy. Absolutely. Nice present for someone, too. Absolutely. Yeah, and I guess we should also mention, you know, it's always good if, if, if you have a hobbyist in your life, you know, you're buying stuff for them. I mean, all the stuff you would need just a hobby, like the basic stuff, like, you know, poly cement mm-hmm. uh, for, for gluing styrene models together, you know, the super glues, hot glues for like terrain work. And then sculpting supplies like green stuff or yep. two-part epoxy sculpting materials like epoxy sculpt or magic sculpt. I mean, that's the stuff that we just all go through. And, uh, every, you know, a, a lot of hobbyists would need that kind of thing. So there, there's lots of options there. I'm trying to muck around at the moment with um, 
mixing some of the sprue. Is it sprue goo where you make mix it with the poly cement to fill in your holes? That seems to go pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways to fill gaps. I mean, a lot of people will default to green stuff. I hate using green stuff mm. because it's not water soluble. It just, uh, I just, I just hate it. It takes fingerprints poorly. So I typically, yes. if I'm doing, if I'm doing uh, gap filling like on a horse or something, I'm going to use a two part epoxy like epoxy sculpt or magic sculpt. And because what's great about it is you mix a small batch up, you run, you rub your finger and you push it into the groove, and then you take a wet finger and you just clean the surface and you're mm-hmm. done. Like it's done. It, it does um, shrink a little bit, but it, it fills the gap just fine. Mm. And it, the best part is your tools and your hands clean up with water. You know, as long as you don't let it set, you let it set overnight, that's it. Your tools are shot, right? You let, they've got like yeah. rock built onto them at that point. But Well, and in, in that kind of vibe, I think things like tools are, are a great present, right? Whether it's a new hobby yep. knife. I'm always blunt, blunting mine. I mean, they obviously come with other blades or a or a pin vise. I bought this awesome little just USB, uh, yeah, USB C chargeable little Dremel thing nice. the other day that I'm using to pin. Oh, I used to hate pinning models, but now with more and more resin, I find I I have to, particularly with the big Mantic one. And and like if you're pinning brass rods from the various yeah, companies absolutely. that do it, you know, that's um, Number one, the tool. tools are good. Number one tool is just a basic pin vise. Not like, don't go, I'm not talking about like you go to the hobby shop and they sell you a drill. I'm talking about an actual machinist pin vise. This thing's going to cost you like six bucks. They come in different uh, sizes and lengths to to hold different wire. Hollow, it's like a tube, like it's like a straw. And so, for example, you can use it to hold a drill bit and you can drill with it. You can use it to hold the brass rod as you're pushing it into the hole in the model, right? Mm. You can use it to hold the model for painting. So if you put a pin in the, the model's foot, you can hold these. To, it's like the most versatile tool around. And like I said, they're like six bucks and you can't ruin them. These things are designed to be soaked in oil and holding, you know, they're machinist tools and you can buy them on Amazon. Um, yeah. They're super. I, I, the other tools that, you know, we maybe haven't mentioned if, if you're into sculpting clay shapers or, or where it's at, yeah. right. It's like a skill silicone tipped, clay shaper uh you can get them in all sizes you know typically like a firm or a very firm and a little bit bigger right you, you don't want to get the really small ones and just and not even point. just and not even just for shaping things like those like i find if i'm like oh you know i want to add a bit of basing like to just to get things onto your multi-base in the right spot mm-hmm. you know you can push um, it around in silicone it won't it around. The glue won't yeah. stick to it right like eventually you can just yeah. peel it off well, I saw I was at a local friendly game store down in Melbourne, and they had a little kit which they had created themselves. I think bought some stuff online and put it all together in a hobbyist kit. And this was for your plastics, and this was for your your um, metal miniatures. It was great. Um, had their little brand for their local shop on it. Um, really, really good. Came with one of those little electronic files. Yeah, it was it was really really cool gift. Someone bought it for me. I was like, oh, this is awesome. I, I you've got a you've got a note on our notes, Jets. Even things like. Yeah, painting lights or light boxes for people that you know might want to take pictures. Painting painting box um light boxes are actually quite cheap. You know, mm-hmm. like you can I mean you can vary obviously, but you can get really cheap ones on any of the, you know, the big corporate sale sites like Amazon or eBay or, you know, import them from some somewhere in Asia and you can get them quite cheap. I've noticed those little USB chargeable painting lights seem to be popping up all over the place at the moment. Um, I got one a few months ago as a gift, and all of a sudden now I've seen one. I'm seeing them at every hobby store, um, so I think that's that's great. It folds down yeah. into the you know size of a of a um, 
uh, battery pack, and off you go. It's, it's the the only thing you need from a from a light perspective is you just need two of them, right? You need one from the left and one from the right, aiming at the same, so that when you're painting, you don't have a shadow. You know, I that's the basic stuff. But then I've seen now where they've got like light bars that that span your whole desk, like, yeah. you know, like yeah. the big thing. <laughs> that's fine if you want to spend the money. But I'm saying I literally have a light on the left with an arm and a left on the right, and I just move them into the position so they're both hitting the model, and there's no yeah. shadow. That's the big thing. You just want to be able to see what you're working on. And talking about seeing, if you're old, if your person you're buying for is old like me, uh, you need some magnification. You know, you need some good readers, like 3.5 or maybe even more. Because, I mean, I don't know about you guys. The models aren't, you know, my eyes aren't getting any better and the models aren't getting bigger. So well, I've got to get ready for the new Epic one. So. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're not. But I just can't. I just can't stand wearing those things, you know. <laughs> Um, you know what the worst thing is? Is that when you have them, when you have the heavy ones on, they're like you know three, three, yeah. three point five. My depth perception is all messed up, so yeah. I'll, I'll I'll look up and I will bang stuff around outside my. If it's on my desk, I'm fine. But if I reach for something, I don't know. It, it's 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 terrible. Uh, I can see right in front of my face, but it, it, I don't know. I, I'm sure. I, let's see. I'm sure Dad's got a combo one which has the lights with it as well. Oh, 100%. So it does it both puts things down like once. a jewelry, like a yeah. jewelry magnifier. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be amazing. Um, so. Let's talk about magnets. I mean, here's the thing about all these hobby tools. There are generic ones. Mm-hmm. So don't you don't have to spend a lot of money. Magnets, go to eBay. Put in the, the size you're looking for. You know, typically I'm using between anywhere from three millimeter, maybe maybe up to seven millimeter in diameter. And from a thickness of like one to three millimeter thick. And just get, you know, like you can buy 50 for like, a dollar seventy-five from China, and yes, they're not as strong as the ones you can buy in your hobby shop. Turns out they're still strong enough, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you, you know, you these are not for your fridge. You know, you just want to keep this small little plastic arm together. You know, so yeah, eBay's amazing. You can buy all kinds of stuff, and you know the best tool we didn't talk about, Matt. GW's hobby scraper is amazing. Mm-hmm. They're little. I don't know if you guys use it. It looks kind of like a razor blade. But it's dull, and it is the best thing for cleaning up mold lines. Yes, I've got one of those. It's awesome. It's amazing. And I don't know who designed it. I don't know who invented it. But I can't work without it. It follows the contours of the models really nicely, too, as you sort of turn around the corner where you're trying to file off those annoying uh, mold lines. And, yeah, it's unbelievable. Mm. And yeah, yeah. clippers, you got to have a good set of clippers. Oh, yeah. It's got to be flush, flush clippers, right? So you got one side, you can mm. go right up to the model and make a flush cut, you know? Um, yes. And it needs to be sharp, you know? Uh, and again, Army Painter makes them, but so does GW. Everybody makes them. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, I mean, Jatson, Jat, uh, you and I touched on 3D printing before, so we, we might be able to skip it because we talked about, you know, yeah. maybe you can gift Patreons or things like that, but there's also yeah. resin and things. Oh, just the um, consumables, but, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, just the consumables. So we might move on to, like, actual tabletop options, which... Again, there's there's so many, <laughs> right? You know, there's 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 different pre-made terrain, um, whether it's like laser cut, flat pack trees, mats, um, but then also game experience stuff like tokens and dice. Yeah. Yep. Well, terrain they have the you know Monster Box Studios. I think it's what it's called. They make pre-painted terrain. Just open the box and you've got the terrain. Battlefield in a box, right from Gale Force yep. Nine. Same thing. If 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 you don't want to make terrain. You don't have to. No, not at all. 
I certainly leaned into. There was a German company that did it um, 15 or 20 years ago. I remember buying some of the nicest hills and houses. They were way ahead of the way ahead of the curve. Um, but yeah, for me, who wants to get the games up and running and have a nice table that looks good, the pre-made terrain is pretty good from um, from those companies at the moment. And there's there's still heaps of laser cut versions, right? Like in Australia, mm. we've got Knights of Dice and and things like that. And I know there's a couple of international companies. I uh, can't think of the the names, but but also and and in that vein, like gaming match, you, you could you know you could name half a dozen, right? Yeah, I was trying to uh, get a bit of a group order going for gaming mats to match Kings of War. I have this dream that it can just cover everything, but then I noticed there was two new scenarios that I might have to consider as well when doing that. Um, so it might be ever-evolving. Um, but I, I brought out to one of the tournaments that uh, squad marks pop-up terrain, so it all fits inside a little briefcase and literally pops up. And I think we're a little bit, little bit away from that still. It's just really hard to get hills like that. Um, but the trees and the buildings, uh, the neoprene mats, you know, use them for forest or use them for difficult ground. It looks really, really good. The the stuff, again, better well, than the old painted space table. space challenge too, right? If you're space challenged in your home, yep. so if you know someone that lives in an apartment or something and maybe you yep. might still want a game of ambush or something, that could be a great option, that little pop-up terrain. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Beats mm. the books under the sheet, doesn't it? Yeah. And get them the yeah. double-sided neoprene mat, right? Like, if you're not sure if they want a desert or snow, well, they make ones with both on either side. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure where neoprene mats were prior to the last sort of 10 years because it seems like a no-brainer. We had mouse pads for ages. Why we didn't just make them bigger? Mm. Yeah. Well, see, it's, it's, for scenarios, it's we're looking at this really uh, – well, Nick is looking at this really interesting option of paper mats. Yeah. Just, like, print a picture – with the scenario on it and then basically like it might last you a couple or it might only last you one but being cheap enough that you could actually get rid of it so like as a tournament organizer you might just order a bunch yeah and be able to get rid of it after well i know there's a company here in the united states mats by mars they print on various substrates including like vinyl they'll Mm. actually add all the kings of war scenario stuff dominate circle deployment zones control markers so you you know if you're playing Dead Zone, for example, they'll add the the squares. So you do have options for some companies that'll actually add what you a- add stuff for what you're playing. You know, obviously it makes the mat a little less versatile because if you're playing a different game and you have all these markings. But you know, if you're playing, if you're a hardcore games of War, Kings of War player, it's great having you know setup is super easy because everything's marked out, laid out on the on the mat. So I'm hot committed now. I've gone to multi-basing. There's no going back to single model basing. So I'm Kings of War. Hopefully it just lasts and goes and goes and goes. You know, and there's so many widgets, right? Now, Matt, you and I both have the War Chest Creations widget set. It's pretty Mm -hmm. badass. You have like Generation 1, though. And I think he's on like generation three now, which we've Well, yeah, I was trying to get a few others, but I think he's I think he's been so busy that he's forgotten me a couple of times. But um yeah, I think they're great, you know? Uh, particularly what a, what if you're a, a one game system person. Yeah, yeah. If you if you're a one game system person in particular and you get something designed like that, it's really cool. Like I love I don't know if you saw on the stream, Rob from Masters, like it was direct misfire stream, but I kept deliberately putting my Counter charge, <laughs> custom widget set. You know, nice. yeah, it's <laughs> cool. It's got your name. It's got a logo. Yeah. And, but but yeah. now we've got it where it's got a turn counter and scoring thing built into the top. Yeah, so it's oh, got cool. it's got all your measuring tools. It's got your tokens. It's you know, and uh, now he's turning into more acrylic stuff. So you know, a widget set is 
it makes you, it makes the game a lot faster if you just yeah. grab the twelve inch tool and use it rather than take the ten take measure out. And then you know wound counting. It, I, I've been all over the map. I used to be a big fan of like making these little discs with little with a little like stick mm. a dowel and adding like skulls behind it. Yeah, it's cool. But now my portability senses have kicked in, and I'm all about the the spin down dice. So spin down dice are like a like a, a d10. But it's one, two, three. Four. It's it's sequential. It's not a dice for rolling for oh. for a result. It's literally to just spin it down so that they use it in magic, right? And so they make and so the, the one I've been using is, is called G10 spin down. They are custom dice that, that go from zero to nine, and they have little trays that hold them. You can get them in. So I use one that's got two 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 dice, so I can go from zero technically from zero to ninety nine, right? Like I'm not going to get mm-hmm. to ninety nine, but Literally, like I have this one tray that sits behind the unit, and it, it has the dice. Super I, easy to read. I mean, I like that idea because I've got I've yeah. got little three um, D printed for like a D twenty, like, like a tray for a D twenty, but far out D twenties. They just vary, and half the time I'm sitting there going, "Where's the four gone? Where's the right. four gone?" You know, this like, is nice. If it's on five, you just turn it one. You just with one finger can just flip them, and and it'll so, just go to the next number. So, do you buy them or do you print them? No, no, you, you. That's that's a company, G ten oh, spin down yeah. dice. They come in all kinds of colors. It's like three or four bucks, or maybe like two fifty for the tray and a couple of dice. You can get get them in all kinds of colors. Once you use them, you'll never go back because they're just they're just your opponent loves them because they're so easy to read. Depending on what you know, you, yeah. I like like the white and black or black and white. You can get them really high contrast. And as a general rule, I don't like people using D sixes for wounds I, these sixes are for playing the game i want some other kind of dice so i that i know that this you know plus when they're in the tray they don't they don't they don't fall over they don't get yeah. knocked over so that's the big risk yeah yeah the d20 still move a fair bit with my little tray you know um yeah cool i mean on dice oh. like dice are oh, i'm a dice junkie done a whole episode on it oh, oh yeah. couldn't we i mean cuz you got you got options right you can do colors you can do Pictures, I mean, that's a love, like, you get love-hate on that. But oh, like, yeah, with like pictures, love dice. Pictures, yeah. yeah, yeah, but with your pictures, yeah. you know, it could be anything. Like, you could, if you're for a family member and you've got a family crest, whack that on the sixes. You know? Are you a one or a six man for the for the crest? Always put it on the six, man. Oh, really? We can't and never mix it. Don't ever mix it. Because <laughs> that just, I mean. Then you, then you become, you know, U.S. Masters worthy if you mix it. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, that's why we stream them. Yeah, yeah, I'm a six man. I'm a six man as well. Oh, really? Most people are. Yeah. So your picture of one thing is your six. That's interesting. Right. Well, because yes, because then you're rubbing it in your face. You're rubbing it in their face when you're You're rolling. Like, see this? (laughs) Yeah. It means it means I just got a six. I know you wrote it in here, Rob. The notes, uh, the chess X dice. Um, yeah, they've been doing that for years and years and years. I remember. I've got a set of custom dice from them. Um, really high quality gave them an image and off they went so i've got my um my medieval device for another hobby that i do um on the number one as because it's a single thing and yeah it's beautiful absolutely beautiful and you don't have to buy a lot like you you hear the word custom people think oh i gotta buy 500 yeah you buy 500 you're gonna get them for a reasonable price you know 50 cents a dice or 60 cents a dice yeah but you can buy 10 and spend like a dollar of dice right i mean they'll do whatever you know they're they're awesome and i've been using them for five or six years and they're just you give them a vec, you know, an image, you know, and they'll figure it out and they'll get it on that die for you and it will look great. I and think you have you lots, hit the nail on the head. Options. 
you got to it's got to be visible to yourself and your opponent no point squinting uh, no. your dice um or uh, what i've noticed with some of the metal ones uh, where the um the pips are metal colored they can rub off so I, I try and stick to white or black pips and yeah um I that, contrast. and, and, and yeah, dice are also one of those ones where you could actually like surprise someone with it because right yeah. you could do something as simple as match the colors to an army you know they've yep. got Right, so you don't necessarily need to kind of go into the what do you need, yeah. And dice trays so, are great too, ooh, right? Yeah, lots ooh, of dice yeah. trays. Just make sure you get something. I, nothing I hate worse than playing and a guy's using a person's using a dice tray and he rolls the dice and I can't see into the dice tray. Yeah, like well, that defeats mm. the purpose, <laughs> right? I want to be able to so get a big one where I can see. Or a uh, top tip, you know, Felix Castro did this a few years ago. He carried around a pool cue, you know, the the rack. A pool rack, mm-hmm. yeah. the rack for pool. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. He'd lay it on the table. He throws his dice. He picks up the rack. There's your dice. They're all contained in a small spot. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, go. I just can't, I got blown away the other week. I saw on Kickstarter there was uh, smell smell infused dice, and I thought that was pretty cool because <laughs> so I've seen the wood ones, I've seen the stone ones, the metal ones. Um, and geez, you can pay some pretty expensive prices for a lot of that yeah. sort of stuff. But um, imagine if you could change what the numbers smell like. You know, the ones that smell like shit. <laughs> well, you could just have your dice um, just smelling however to match your army. Mm. I'm not sure how you, you match that with the Trident Realms, but maybe some mm. seashore sort of thing. But again, it's stuff. It's a special thing. You buy it for someone. Because um, going back to the point of what we're doing is trying to give people options for their, their loved ones or hated ones, depending on what's going on. Yeah, just something nice. It knows that they're going to use it, and you're not necessarily going to buy it yourself. Um, which is cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I think some other generic ideas, are there's there's lots of things, right? Um, I mean, if, if you're looking at Kickstarter, it's a, I think it's a little bit of a future option. <laughs> depending. <laughs> yeah, on that. you're not – yeah, um, hard, it's hard to use Kickstarter to buy a gift. Yeah, you never know like it might be just – yeah, if you're thinking vouchers, think about your, like, your friendly local gaming store yep. first, I think, um, particularly if they're stocking this, the stuff that you know um, the person you're buying for will want. Or some people are into the old school stuff. Like we've got a local player, Chris, uh, Chris, don't we, Jats, who yeah, like, yeah. loves these old school models. Like, so if you bought him something that was circa, you know, whatever, 1990s, 1980s, yeah, yep. yeah, 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 you know, that that'd be his jam or Fifth edition Warhammer yeah. or something. He'd be all over it. Yeah, I think he goes back even. He's about a second or a third edition oh, my Warhammer gosh, guy. Man. Yeah, so real, real metal models. Uh, even lead, yeah. probably. But yeah, that that goes into the, the books as well. I mean, there's a big market now for when I mean, we touched on the terrain one. That's how you make your citadel terrain and all that sort of thing. That's the army books because there's just fantastic artwork, isn't there? An inspiration for how you paint things or the old catalog books and things like that. Um, yeah, wow. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's a great book, Terrain Essentials, from Mel, yep. the Terrain Tutor from YouTube. He's got a great book. Any of the Dave Taylor books? Yes, painting beautiful. Army. I mean, Coffee you guys, table books. I, mean, I mean, Dave's an Aussie, right? So, yeah, um, mm. yeah. They, there's just a lot of great stuff out there. There's also DVDs. You know, if you look on there, you can find lots of videos that do painting, terrain making, whatever it is. And, you know, there's lots of great stuff that it's kind of yeah. like DVDs. If you're buying stuff for someone in Rob's age group. Hey, man, I still have a DVD. He still has a DVD player. Yeah, I still have. Yeah, yeah. You know, my right. little fellow's going to say, "What's a DVD?" Gotta, I'm pretty sure when he yeah, gets yeah. home. 
You, you got a VHS player as well, mate? Yeah. I have no idea. And an HD <laughs> yeah. player. I got all yeah, of it, yeah. man. I actually <laughs> still have the old Super 8 camera reel. Mm. Oh, no. Come on, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Not that old. <laughs> <laughs> but people like the, the fan fiction and the the fiction that's written for the various games. So it's not really my go, but um, yeah, people love the hobby aspect of it and the world. Um, so you can buy them some nice books and things or Kindle, I suppose. I imagine it comes out on that sort of stuff as well. Yeah. Um, and if you want going to, with that, if you want to go really cheap option, mate, you can get chat GPT to write some fan fiction about your friend. Right. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's some background story for the army. Yeah. How yeah, do you Dave think we Fanning got all the different ideas for this? Yeah, yeah. Dave Fanning 100%. once wrote, got it to write about a three-page story about me. <laughs> you know, you know what's a great, a great gift, and, and people are not going to think about this, but if they go to a lot of tournaments, buy them a collapsible cart. Like mm, you go to the yep. tournament, you have a collapsible cart, you unfold it, and now you have your place to put your army, your your sodas, whatever you've got, and you go from table to table. I'm telling you, once mm. you use a cart, and you don't have to be old to use a cart, Matt. <laughs> Uh, but once you use a cart, you're never going to go back. I've only seen one cart, and that belongs to Michael Clark. You know? Yes. And, yeah. And, well, surely uh, you could get an app for it and steer it around the games table if you really don't oh, want to do anything. Imagine, imagine how good would that be? Just actually, like, can you imagine walking behind your cart <laughs> just using your phone? That'd be amazing. Could you imagine moving your models like that as well on these on these on the board? <laughs> I need to go five inches, forty five degrees. Done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a bit like porn to like E5. <laughs> well, we might we might start to wrap it up. I mean, I yeah. think yeah. I think we kind of touched on, you know, support your local game store, but of course, you know, then online retailers. Ideally, if you're buying Mantic, you know, we, we want to see it more in stores, yeah. but of course you can always go to the source. But uh, great idea, Jats. So that was a great, great chat. And do, do either of you guys have anything to add before we before we sign off? Do you guys still have the uh, countercharge shirt up for sale? That might be a good it Christmas is. present for those. Cool. Yeah. Well, how's that for a plug? Oh, that's a good plug. Yeah. yeah. So if you go You're to welcome. the page Not, in the about section, there's a link to our T Public. I think is the site. Uh, but you can yep. you can get the link, and the, the, it is available. And uh, I, lo- I love going to events. David Goodman, shout out to you. You he had a he he was rocking one at Forge GT. So it's always mm. cool to see the shirt. Out there. I keep meaning to send up a, set up an Australian supplier or something yeah. because Jats and Luke have more countercharge paraphernalia than I do. <laughs> and um, so uh, yeah, I think um, yeah, that's a no, no, great plug. Great plug, Jats. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. And, and for the record, we don't profit from any of that. You know, that, no, we sell for the minimum amount that they'll let us. Like, mm. I think they make us take fifty cents a shirt. I don't know what it is, but it it's mm. it's something stupid. Uh, and mm. yeah, just we sell basically for cost. Because it, it's free advertising, man. Come on. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, on, 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 on that, Jats, would you like to take us out? Uh, yep. Join us again next time. And as always, keep counter charging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Counter Charge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. Man, Matt, he does that better than you.